Well, good morning, church family. I'm glad that we can be together virtually this morning and continue our Learning to Lament series as we're looking at different passages in the scripture that teach us how to lament. To lament means to express grief or sorrow. It, it means to deal with the hard things. And so this morning, the weather is beautiful. It is an amazing morning. I hope many of you are watching this live stream maybe on your porch or patio or outside somewhere or by a window. The weather is indeed beautiful. It's been beautiful all weekend. It's going to be beautiful this afternoon. But there's no denying in the midst of even this beautiful weather that we've been living through a metaphorical storm for quite some time. As, as a community, a church community, Brooke alluded to it this morning, a lot of loss in our church community. Um, so many of you are mourning the loss of loved ones. So many of you are, are mourning hard things. You're struggling to understand why God has allowed certain things to happen in your life. We've been mourning as a church community. We've been mourning as a local community. I know people who aren't a part of Park Community Church, but who live in our neighborhoods who are mourning many of the same things. We've been mourning as a state as we continue to have extended stay-at-home orders. And, and I think it's right and wise, and our government officials and health and officials are doing the best that they can. They are doing an incredible job of trying to keep us safe and care for our economy. But nevertheless, we're mourning the loss of many regularities, many things that we normally do. As a, as a nation, we're mourning the loss of those who have passed away, those who are passing away, all the things that we've lost that we usually love and hold on to. And then as a world, we've been in a season of grief and mourning. And God, in his love and kindness, he teaches us how to lament. He teaches us how to enter the metaphorical storms of life. And that's what Psalm 46 does for us. Psalm 46 gives us this this pathway for lamenting in the storm. And so this morning we're going to look at Psalm 46 and we're going to see three lessons of how to lament in the storm. The big idea for this morning as we look at Psalm 46 is that it teaches us to lament our circumstances while simultaneously clinging to God's promises by, and then we're going to see three things that the psalm teaches us to do as we lament. But I think that's key, that in the storm, when, when you are in a storm of life, you don't have to pretend that you're not in a storm. No, in the midst of the storm, what you do is you lament the circumstance of that storm. We have to learn how to lament our circumstances while simultaneously clinging to God's promises. That's the unique reality of what lament really means. And so this morning we're going to look at the psalm and we're going to understand that in the storm, we must learn how to lament our circumstances while simultaneously clinging to God's promises by the first one. There's going to be three of these. The first one is that we do this by seeking shelter. Look at Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What's a refuge? It's a place that you run to. It's a place that you seek shelter in. See, this psalm, the setting of Psalm 46, we don't know the specific details of Psalm 46. We don't know what, what storm, metaphorical storm was happening, but it's clear to us that there was a storm, and it seems kind of like a world catastrophe. I think it was probably some type of war that was breaking out. I don't think it was a global pandemic. It wasn't the coronavirus, but it was something that was, that was involving many different nations of the world. And we know this because he says the, the nations rage in verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. 
See, all people on earth are going through something. There's this global storm. There's this global shaking. There's this global uneasiness happening here in Psalm 46. And in the midst of uneasiness, in the midst of a metaphorical storm, this psalm tells us to seek shelter, to find refuge in God, the one who is our help in trouble. I had a conversation with somebody from our church this week who's going through a bit of a storm in their own life, and they told me, it was, it was really, really enlightening to me and really kind of helped shape the sermon. They said, I've learned this last week that, that in the midst of a tornado, you don't run out and tend to your garden. You don't, you don't work on an addition. You don't work on your yard in the midst of the tornado. You run to the basement and you seek shelter. Some of you are probably the crazy storm chaser type. So when the tornado comes, when you, when you see the skies darken, you actually go outside. You're like one of the few standing on the street looking up at the sky like, do you see that crazy color? But the majority of people, and when the storm gets bad enough, what you ought to do if you want to make it through the storm is get to the basement, seek shelter, find the place without the window, and you hunker down. Or the old term from, from farm sets, you batten the hatches, right? Or actually, I don't think that's from a farm set. I think that's from sailors. You batten the hatches. When you're out on the sea and a storm comes, you batten the hatches. Us, in the midst of a tornado, we go to the basement. We seek shelter. And I think far too often, we as, we as Christians, we feel like we've got to be doing something. We've, we've got we've to be evangelistic. We've got to share the gospel with our neighbors. We've got to care for the lost, the hurting, the poor. And yes, these are good commands of Jesus. But scripture also tells us that in the midst of the storm, there's a time and a place to just seek shelter. That you don't always have to be getting after it, doing the next thing, figuring out how you can creatively help somebody else. There is a time and a place for you to seek shelter. And some of you are so vulnerable right now that what you actually ought to do in following this psalm as you learn to lament in the midst of the storm is to seek shelter. You, you, you may need to be okay with not being okay. To seek shelter means admitting that you're vulnerable or in danger and in need of help. When that tornado comes through, you don't just stand out in harm's way and say, come and get me, show me what you got. You run to seek shelter because you know that you're powerless against that tornado. You're powerless against that storm. I've been in the boundary waters a few times when some massive storms have rolled through. And, and I like to think of myself a little bit as a daredevil, so I've probably pushed the line into stupidity a little bit by like watching the storm. And, but, but when the storm gets bad enough, I know there's this point where I'm just vulnerable. I have no control over this storm. There's nothing that I can do to stop the storm. There's nothing that I can even do to protect myself from the storm's danger. I can do the best that I can and seek shelter somewhere, try and get in, into like some kind of cliff or some kind of overhang. The best case is I could find like a little cave and some rock outclave to hide in. Usually I end up in my tent to get out of the rain, but then there's trees falling all over me and I'm just hoping and praying to God that one of those trees won't come down on me. I'm, I'm helpless, I'm vulnerable, I'm in danger and in need of help. This psalm shows us that in the midst of the storm, if you're living through a metaphorical storm, as we all are to different degrees, it's okay to seek shelter. In fact, that's a godly thing, that's a good thing. Part of your lament is to seek shelter. The psalm goes on in verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, we often read that verse and, and we kind of think of this like serene inner soul. Be still. 
We have songs about this. We have images that come to mind about this. First of all, what I want you to know is that I think verse 10 is a command to the nations. Be still. As these nations are raging, as verse 6 says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Look at verse 9. He says, He, God, makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then there's this command, Be still and know that I am God. I think it's this authoritative command from God saying, Know that I am God. I am in control. These circumstances, this storm is not out of my control. I'm in this storm with you. Be still. You can cease striving. You can start resting. Be still. So first of all, it's a command, but then secondly, I think it is a posture for us as Christians as we sing these songs and kind of those images come, come to our mind of letting go of control and just resting. I think that's part of what this verse means as well. It means that in the midst of the storm, as we seek shelter, we admit that we can't do everything. Maybe you can't do anything. Maybe some of you feel like you are worthless to others right now because everything in your life is falling apart and you feel guilty about that. You're like, I I wish I could contribute more. I wish I could help others, but I just have nothing to give. I think this psalm is telling us that that's okay for a season. That you can seek shelter in God, your help. That you can be still and know that He is God, know that He is in control, And maybe you actually need to shift your mindset from get her done to I've got nothing I can get done right now. I just need to hunker down in my basement for a while and let the season, let this storm pass. And church family, I'm telling you, don't let anyone make you feel guilty about that by saying, you got to get out there. You got to share your faith. You got to do more and let God prompt you in that. We're called, we talk about this all the time as a church family, to go and make disciples of all nations. That's our commission But living out that commission, there's seasons when we're in a storm when we just need to hunker down. Where you, rather than worrying about somebody else, you actually need to do a little bit of self-care and seek shelter and hunker down. Maybe you're in a storm and it's a time for self-care. Care for yourself. And, and we need to learn how to do self-care without, without self-focus and others neglect. And that's a challenge. That's a balance. You'll learn that in community. But what I want you to hear this morning is that if you feel like you have nothing to give, that's okay. That's an acceptable posture for a Christian to say, right now I'm in a season where I'm just seeking shelter. I don't have the answers. I, I feel like I don't have anything to give. I'm hunkering down in my Bible. I'm hunkering down in my basement. I'm hunkering down with my closest friends and, I, and I'm receiving right now. I'm letting them care for me. That's the first way that we see Psalm 46. Tell us, teach us how to lament in our circumstances while still clinging to God's promises. The next one is to sing louder. So we seek shelter and then we sing louder. This psalm is a song written for the community of God to sing, much like all of the psalms. And so the community of God, the people of God, Israel, they would sing this song together, much like Mark and Jen led us through this psalm with that song this morning. They would sing this song together. Music and community are key when you're in the midst of the storm. When you're learning how to lament, when you are lamenting, church family, I want to encourage you to hold fast to to songs that express gospel truth and to community who will remind you of gospel truth, God's truth. Mark Vergope says in his book, um, which I said I'm going to refer to often in the sermon series, 
Dark Cloud's Deep Mercy, he said, when we are battling falsehoods in our thinking, sometimes singing has the power to convince our emotions to change. I can't tell you how true this is for me personally. There's so many Sundays that, that when we used to gather, and even now, I come to church and I have a sermon to preach, I have this, this calling that I have to fulfill, and my emotions aren't there. My emotions are misaligned with God and his word, and whatever, for whatever reason, my mind, my heart, everything is out of whack. I can't tell you how many Sunday mornings I've showed up at church, I'm like, do I really have to preach? I don't even believe it. I don't feel it. I don't know if I don't feel it or if I don't believe it. Or I don't know the difference between my head and my heart and I just don't feel like this is true. I don't know that I want to get up and proclaim that. And then I enter this building and I hear our worship team practicing their songs. And then you leave your homes and you come into this building pre-COVID. Right now, I just imagine you on your couch in your sweatpants. And you sing we gather and we sing gospel truth and there's something that happens in my soul consistently week after week where I go from not wanting to preach, where I go from doubting, where I go from questioning, where I go from not feeling emotionally connected to God's word to all of a sudden, this is true and right and I can proclaim the truth. Church family, I can attest to this and it's true. Sometimes your emotions are out of whack, your thinking is out of whack, you're not thinking clearly, you're not feeling accurately, and God's songs can realign your heart. From my recent personal experience, I can say that there's times when you're in the storm. Brittany shared about her dad last week who passed away just over a month ago after a five-month battle with cancer. And there's, there's times in the past couple months that We've been in this storm of wondering what was going to happen and praying and pleading and begging God to heal him and, and seeing that it likely wasn't going that direction. And there's times when I didn't have the energy to read my Bible. I would open it up. I'm like, I just don't, I, I don't have the energy. I don't have the drive. I'm not in the headspace to read my Bible and get anything out, it, out of it. There's times when I couldn't articulate my own feelings. There's times when I didn't feel like praying. I would play worship music. And God would meet me where I was. I, I would sing louder. I, I don't know that I would sing louder. So the point isn't necessarily just to sing louder, but it's to cling to music, gospel music, God's songs. That's what Psalm 46 is. It's a song that meets us where we are. It, it, it's also a way that we seek shelter. I think part of the way that we seek shelter is by immersing ourselves in God's music. And as we do that, it, it allows our soul to begin to sing again when it feels dead. And then thirdly, the third thing that we see in this psalm is to see clear. When we are in the midst of the storm, we need to see more clearly. We see clear. It's in the storm that the psalmist fights for clarity of vision. The psalmist doesn't, doesn't just whine about the circumstances. He doesn't bemoan the circumstances. He doesn't just pretend that they don't exist. He, he does actually bemoan the circumstances, but he does three things to help himself see the situation more clearly. First of all, he acknowledges the current circumstance for what it is. I mean, look, look at He engages the wrongness of the situation. He says, God is our refuge and strength, verse 1, a very present help in trouble, trouble. He acknowledges he's in trouble. Therefore, verse 2, we will not fear. So he's clinging to truth. He's seen clearly, but he's acknowledging the situation. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Verse 6, 
The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. The psalmist is acknowledging the current circumstance for what it is. The psalms are teaching us that as we lament, as we learn to lament, we have to see clearly our current circumstances. We can't sweep it under the rug. You shouldn't sweep it under the rug. You shouldn't ignore it. If you're in pain, you shouldn't pretend like you're not in pain. If you're sad, you shouldn't pretend like you're not sad. If you wish things were different, you shouldn't pretend that you didn't wish things were different. You should acknowledge reality. That's what the psalms do. That's how we learn to lament, church families, by acknowledging reality. But then in the midst of that, it, it, we're seeing clearly, we're looking around, we're saying, yep, this is the circumstances. Things are not good. I wish things were better. I wish things were different. Acknowledge the circumstances for what they are. But then in the midst of that, the psalmist considers God's faithfulness, his, his past faithfulness. Look at verse 8. He acknowledges reality. And then verse 8, he, he looks at God's former faithfulness. Come and behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. The psalmist has all these stories of God working for his people, fighting for his people. He, he remembers God's faithfulness. And then thirdly, he clings to God's promise. That, that's how we see clear in the storm. If you are in a storm, what you need to do is acknowledge the circumstance of that storm. Don't pretend it doesn't exist. Don't minimize it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't ignore it. Acknowledge the circumstance. Call a spade a spade. Call your suffering what it is, suffering. Call your sadness what it is, sadness. Call your frustration what it is, frustration. Call your depression what it is, depression. Call your anger what it is, anger. Acknowledge the current circumstance. And in that acknowledgement, remember how God has worked in the past and then consider his promises, how he has promised to work in the future. There's, there's both a remembering here and a, a clinging to the promise. He will make wars cease. God has done this before. He will do it again. He will be exalted, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. He has been before and he will be again. I will be exalted in the earth. He has been before and he will be again. The Lord of hosts is with us. That's a promise given to us by God. I am with you always until the end of the age, Jesus has said. And so church family, in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of the storm, we learn to lament our circumstances. We'll simultaneously cling to God's promises by seeking shelter, singing louder, and seeing clear. We have one of the members from our church, Barb Link, who I sat down with this week, and she shared with us some of her own journey of learning to lament tough circumstances. She went through the death of her own child and has lived with lifelong depression. So we sat down this week and, and talked through Psalm 46 and kind of how she has learned to do this in her own journey. And so I'd love to have you tune in, and well, you are tuned in. Stay tuned in and watch that interview now and learn from Barb's own journey as you learn to lament yourself. Barb, it's so good to see you again. Good to see you too, Andrew. Thank you so much for being willing to come today and to share with us some of your own process of learning to lament. You are very welcome. So for those who haven't had the chance to meet you yet, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Okay, I am um, Barb Link. I started going to this church in 1981. 
to the building. <laughs> and so I've been around a long time. Um, I married Horst after going to England to go to Bible school, and he was uh, working there. And he carried my suitcase to the to the dorm on the first day, and he's been carrying it ever since. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We have three kids. Um, two of them are in the cities. Uh, Hans is a police officer. Ingrid works in marketing for Kimberly Clark. And Stefan is working on his master's, soon to start his doctorate at the University of Illinois in Champaign. Awesome. Thanks. And you guys were married right here, right? Oh, yes. Right? Stood right there? Right there. What year? 1986. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. That's great. <laughs> um, so could you share with us some of the storms that you've experienced in your life? Well, I've been through a lot of storms. <laughs> um, life brings that. I learned that as I have grown older and, <laughs> and experienced more. Um, I, I, we've had pregnancy losses. I uh, had a couple of miscarriages. Um, and I have always been kind of prone to depression. But, um, yeah, and so that has affected me throughout my life, really, mm -hmm. all, all, the, all the years of it. Um, but the biggest storm that we ever experienced was the death of our first child as a newborn. Um, we thought we had the world by the tail uh, young marrieds, bought our house, did the whole thing, and we just thought, well, now we'll just start a family and everything will be good, and it turned out to be anything but. Um, it was the death not only of that baby, his name was Michael, um, but it was the death of our dreams and our hopes and our plans and all the things that you imagine when you're looking forward to the birth of a child. And, and, and that even affects us today because we think, oh, he would be 32 now. I wonder if, you know, we don't spend a lot of time focusing or, or grieving as hard anymore, but oh, definitely. Yeah, that's a good reminder that, that grief and learning to lament isn't just a... a no. It's not a period of time, right? It no. extends and it crops up in different ways over years. Yes, it does, and yeah. definitely. Um, that was a huge, huge storm, and somehow we weathered it. Our marriage weathered it. I mean, it, it, it brought hurricane-force winds to our life. Yeah, wow. So in the midst of that storm, what did it look like for you and Horst to seek shelter in God? And I guess, speak for yourself, since Horst yeah. is working today and couldn't join us, yeah. um, he would have his own answers. But, you know, as we looked at Psalm 46 and talked about how, how that passage, how that psalm calls us in the midst of a storm to seek shelter, yeah. how did you do that? What did that look yeah. like for you? Well, it definitely did felt like the earth was giving way under me. Um, I... I, I struggled so with my faith. I mean, because we prayed, come on. We prayed in Jesus' name. Yeah. And he still died. And there were all those unwanted children in the world. Mm -hmm. And we wanted him so badly. Just doesn't make sense, right? No. No, it didn't. But 
but really, I, I think I came fairly quickly through, I did a lot of reading on uh, grief, that there really was no answer to the why question for me, mm. because it wouldn't have made any difference. Yeah. I would have just wanted God to change his mind. That's what I was really asking. Why can't you not make that happen? And it did. Mm. Um, I will say I also <laughs> brought the storm into the shelter of God. And I, I had a bit Old Testament biblical um, lament going on before God and anger and questioning what I could have done differently. And I, you know, I don't think anything could have changed it. Uh, God allowed it, and it just took me a really long time mm -hmm. to get to that. I, I learned that God is big enough to handle my tantrums, mm -hmm. and he still loves me, just like we have our kids have their tantrums, and we, we just have your, to wait. Your kid, your three did. Yeah, my, well, my, my of three course don't. not. Yes, well, mine did. <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty at my house as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So I learned that God is big enough to handle all my huge emotions. That's good. And I brought those to him. And really, um, just again and again and again coming back to him and having the grounding in my faith and really just, it was just gutting it out and deciding Either I could take Job's wife's advice and curse God and die, or I could go on like Job and said, I know my Redeemer lives. And though he slay me, yet will I praise him. So, it, I mean, it was, it was not easy. It takes many times. I mean, a, a long time. Grief has no timeline on it. Um, I was advised not to answer still feeling, but just are, it just is. Um, and it took years. I mean, I would think, okay, well now we're doing good. And then, then something else, God would just be leading me deeper into himself and showing me other things that I needed to address that were surprisingly related to that, hmm. including forgiving God. Sure. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and with, with depression, that is something that I just live with. Um, it has its seasons of easy and not as easy. Um, I think that I've had problems with that since I was young, very young. So I didn't, I didn't identify it maybe until later, actually postpartally. Okay. Um, and after, after Michael's passing? Is no, that... it was actually, it was in, with um, our daughter's okay. birth. Okay. And it was delayed up to like nine months. Okay. Um, so, you know, it really reared its head then. And uh, I, I begged God <laughs> during the hard times to please take it. But he always helps me persevere and I run to him find shelter 
He's your refuge, right? Like the psalm said. He is my refuge and shelter. I have learned that. What role did the local church and just worship play in this? You know, as we looked at Psalm 46 again, we're reminded it is a song that a that a corporate the people of God sing together. And so kind of the people of God and music, how do those two play a role? How have they played a role for you? It was it was huge. In the early days of our loss, um, I could hardly pray or read my Bible, um, but I could play worship music, and I did that a lot. Yeah. Um, I was as I was home recovering from the C-section. I was home a lot alone, and uh, worship music just filled that time along with many boxes of Kleenex. (laughs) So um, it still helps me. I often go to music for dealing with my emotions because music affects a different part of our brain than just hearing. Um, I, 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 like I said, I, I cried a lot. I still use a hymnal and try to uh, li- either listen to or sing something each day for my devotional time. Um, leads me into praise and and dependence. So, and as far as being a part of the body, um, it's those people who were the church to me. Yeah. That was what made such a difference. We had um, some good friends of ours. It was two weeks before Christmas that Michael died, and uh, we were not going to do anything. To, we hadn't decorated or done anything yet. And we looked out the window, and here is this couple dragging a Christmas tree up our mm-hmm. front walk, and um, they came in and put it up, mm-hmm. and we decorated. And the wife of that couple called me every wow. single day for months. Wow. And she had read an article in the Billy Graham um, magazine that said people who are grieving don't necessarily need the laying on of hands as much as they need the laying on of ears. Mm-hmm. And she just listened. I don't think she gave me any great advice. Mm-hmm. But she was there for me, and I know she prayed for me as well as others. And and people just reached out to me who had been through child loss. There were family that invited us over. At, they had had the death of two of their kids um, in a drowning accident. Uh, I got a letter from one of the women in church talking about her loss, hmm. and and saying, you know, just think. When you get to heaven, that's the hope of every every mm. parent, Christian parent, is that their kids will be in heaven with them. And she said, when you get to heaven, first you'll see Jesus, and then you'll see Michael. He'll be there. And that gave me such a uh, an eternal perspective to hang on to. Um, yeah, my small group. Cried, and there are people, you know, just friends cried with me, prayed with me, prayed for me when I couldn't. Hmm. They just reached out. That's awesome. Yeah, it it for years. Hmm. Praise God. So, two things I didn't hear: the building and the pastor. 
So yeah. that's just a reminder to all of you watching that you are an important piece of Absolutely. lamenting, helping the church to lament. Oftentimes we, you know, we say it often at Park Community Church that the church isn't about the place, it's about the people. And that's yes. such a great example of that, that yeah. in, in your season of lament, it was God's people that came around you that mattered the most. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and without the body of Christ to belong to like we have here and the great leadership that you and Ben and Mark provide. Um, that was the key I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we have that here. Yeah. Yeah. And to have God's people come around you. I mean, I just love that reminder yeah. that it was people from the church who were dragging a Christmas tree into your home and people yeah. from the church who are calling you and writing you letters and yeah and that's just how we do this yeah just giving a hand squeeze yeah great last question here related to kind of fall, Psalm 46 as we look at that how has God given you perspective to see more clearly over the years kind of hindsight you're still lamenting 32 years later there's still these yeah. waves of grief and lamenting that happens but just how has God helped you to see him more clearly through the storm as you've weathered the storm and then other storms come and yep well i think the main thing that i look back on i see that my faith uh grounding of, of my faith before any of this happened um made a huge difference so if there's any of you who have uh, not experienced a life-shattering uh, trauma, um, build your foundation, build your foundation, spend time with the Lord. Um, and I did that. I, I did that and I still do. I'm, I would be lost without him. Um, I had to make, though, a, a decision to persevere. And my family here at church helped me to continue that. Uh, I need to keep my eyes on the eternal. And when, when Michael died, as I held him in my arms, and he was declared dead, um, How old was he again? He was 40 hours. 40 hours, okay. Yeah. And so, when he was born, did you know that it was going that Yes, that because route? it was an emergency C-section. I was 31 weeks. Okay. So he was premature and his lungs did not develop right. So he looked like a perfectly beautiful baby, but hmm. it was inside. So, um, but we, we recited the Shema hmm. and the you know the okay help me out with it the, um, the lord the, yeah, the lord our god lord, is one god yep yeah you'll have no others before me teach your children the way they should yep. go i'm drawing a blank on this specific, yeah exactly too of course i i would yeah. but uh deuteronomy six <laughs> five four five and six if you want to look it up yeah and then and then job saying the lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I, I didn't always bless him, but I did learn through the years and through that time especially that he is a strong tower. The righteous run to him and they're safe. And 
I wasn't always sure that was true. Hmm. But I just endured and made the decision I'm going to, I've been giving my life to this for many years. I can't just walk away from what I believe. And um, so, yeah, that, that is, I learned that I can trust him. Yeah, great. Are there any passages that you'd like to just send, up, send us off with this morning? Well, I, I, one of the um, verse, verses that I quite like or passages is found in Isaiah chapter 53. And it's describing Jesus. And it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And I, and I learned that as much as I didn't think I um, liked the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, I found it was really true. Can I pray for you? Yeah, please. Thank you, Barb. God, we thank you that we do have a friend in you, Lord mm. Jesus, who has come and walked among us and who has taken our grief, taken our sorrows upon yourself, Lord. So as Barb has shared, as her and Horace have walked through various storms over the years and they've felt sorrow, they've felt grief, you were there with them, bearing their grief, bearing mm. their sorrows shoulder to shoulder with them, and you continued to do that with us. And then ultimately you went to the cross in our place on our behalf and took not only our sorrow and our shame and our suffering, but also mm -hmm. our own sin upon your shoulders so that we could have new life. And so, Lord, I thank you for granting Barb and Horace new life. I thank you for Barb being willing to share some of her process of learning to lament with us today. And Lord, I thank you that you are, as Barb mentioned, a gracious God who puts up with our tantrums, who meets us where we're at, and and leads us to where you desire us to be in your presence, where there are pleasures forevermore and fullness of joy. Lord, we pray that you would bless Barb and Horace this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.